are you feeling in lockdown? Craggy Jones Podcast is back with a new series talking about this very subject. Join me, Gem Swallow, as I talk to special guests about life in lockdown. Expect humour, the unexpected and real talk. Find me wherever you get your podcasts or thecraggygem.wordpress.com. Hi guys and welcome to another episode of Life in Lockdown, the mini-series here at Quirky Gems Podcast. I hope that this episode finds you well. Now, I have to admit, I'm very excited to be talking to this guest. We had such a ball last time and she was actually my 100th episode, which was quite something. And we have her here again, so without further ado, hiya Tracy! Hi! How are you? Are you well? I'm good, thank you. Yeah, good. Which is quite a good thing considering it is Monday when we're recording this. Yes, and... but all the days have rolled into one, so it, it really doesn't matter what day it is. It's just, yeah, I don't have that weekend feel or that beginning of the week feel, which just could be any day. It doesn't matter. I can respect that. <laughs> so I'm going to ask you um, a question that I guess a lot of people ask now when they actually mean to ask, how how are you doing? You know, how are you finding life at the moment? How's life treating you? Are you okay? Yeah, I'm good. Um, I, to be fair, I feel as though I've, you know, been in training for lockdown for years, you know? So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm quite enjoying the slower pace of, of things, for me anyway, because my husband's still working and my son's still working part-time, but for me, it's quite nice. I love the way you say that with like a relaxing vibe at the end, it's quite nice. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, I just, yeah, I just like the slower pace, um, Obviously, I could go out for a walk and I could do things and whatever, but, you know, it's a nice day, the back garden, you know, got the back garden, I'm lucky in that respect. Sun's shining today, so that's good, you know, so, yeah, I just quite like it, it's quite chilled out. So I'm going to be, I'm going to actually ask you a question that I kind of, because we're in like lockdown right now, which is weird because if we like fast forward a month, it might be a completely different story or we might be in a different like headspace, God willing. But what have been your thoughts on the coronavirus? Um, I, I, it's a hard one because um, obviously you know, it hit quite quickly, didn't it? Yeah. Um, from them reporting on it to everything happening around the world, you know? So it sort of spread quite quickly and other countries were doing things quite quickly. So it just sort of was upon us. I, um, I don't know. I just try and limit how much I hear about it. So I know obviously um, how devastating it is. I, I've, you know, I'm keeping up with the numbers of what's going on and all of that. But I think I'm just keeping myself in my little um, house bubble and, um, you know, just write, I'm going to ride it out and see what happens. At the end of the day, in my head, at the end of the day, we physically can't do anything to control it. To the, you know, I know we can, um, you know, just stay at home and all of that. So we are, we have got that sort of control. But you know, it's going to run its course 
whether we like or not, um, because you have people that aren't sort of taking the lockdown as seriously as possibly they should be. So, you know, it's going to run its course. That is sort of out of our control, and therefore, in my head, to worry about that is is like a waste of my time because it's going to happen as it happens. Does that make sense? Yeah, it actually makes yeah. perfect sense, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm much like yourself, you know, I limit how much... I found for me, because like you, you know, we kind of feel like, as you mentioned, we've been in training for this for so long because we both live with chronic illnesses and we both have, you know, we have side businesses as well. You're a content creator, I have my Etsy shop, so we have other things on our mind to occupy yeah. us. But it, I like the way you said it because, you know, it has to run its course and like, you know, you you literally hit the now on the head. But if I could, could I take you back? When Boris Johnson actually said, you know, we're putting the UK on lockdown, how did you feel? Did you watch that on the news or how did you find I out did, about it? I did watch it and I sort of half expected it a little bit earlier than it happened. So when it kept, when it did... He, when he did actually announce that that's what we were going to do, it's like a release. Because I think putting into the hands of, you know, the millions of individual minds of the general public is, is not a great thing. Because until we're told to do something or until we're told that it's necessary and therefore they're bringing that in, they're enforcing that on us, people are going to flout it. I mean, people are still flouting it now. But, you know, so I think we needed that, and it probably should have happened just a little bit earlier, but it is what it is. We, You know, um, any of us that were worried about it were probably already keeping ourselves out of places that we didn't want to go into and, you know, starting to stay at home more. That's why I did anyway. So, yeah, um, it it wasn't a big surprise because obviously we'd heard all the other countries had gone to Italy, they'd gone into shutdown, Spain had gone into shutdown, you know? So you knew it was coming. Um, so I mentally was prepared for it. And I think we just anticipated him saying that, come on, when is it going to be today? Is it going to be today? And then eventually he announced it. So it was a little bit like relief. Do you feel like we're at the middle of it now? Because I remember when, as we mentioned before, kind of recording, that when I did the episode with Sophie, we talked about the beginnings of it. Do you think like we're at the middle, kind of coming out of it? Where do you think we are in the lockdown? Yeah, I think we're right in that where it's possibly starting to work. So, um, yeah, we're in that um, plateau where if we start coming out of it too quick, that's possibly not a good thing, but we're, it, you're on a, a sort of knife edge as where people are getting a little bit desperate, Yeah. that it's getting to a lot of people, and I, I, I mean, I can fully understand that anyway, but I consider myself one of the lucky ones, so I have that privilege of having a garden. Could you imagine having young children and living in... Um, uh, a flat of some sort that you have no garden to just let them run or steam or whatever. I mean, it, it's got to be incredibly hard for some people. So I understand that desperation for it to be over. Um, but equally, um, I think if we if we start coming out too soon, you know, you could 
obviously get that second spike. So it's hard. It, I mean, I don't, I, I don't normally talk about um, politics or religion. I've been brought up that way. I'm from Northern Ireland. It's one of the things that, uh, you know, divides people, polarizes people. Mm. And um, obviously online, especially Twitter, there's this horrendous outpouring that, you know, really slate the government about everything that they do. So I think there's people that you can never make happy, whatever the decision is. And I think whatever government was in, would be in, there would be people complaining that, that either they're not doing enough or, or they're not doing it right or whatever it happens to be. So I try to stay away from all of that and I just try and think sensibly, you know, um, they're the reporting that the numbers are starting to come down. That's great. That means that anybody who's, who's done the isolating, it's working. The system's in process. It's all working. And I think if we just let up on that a little bit too soon, that could be not a great thing. But, you know, again, it's something we personally do not have any control of. So it will play out as it plays out. And equally, you have people who... You know, if you don't lift some restrictions, you will get those people that will go out and go, my God, oh, thank goodness for this. Yeah, let's get out. Let's go do this. Let's do that. You'll have normal people just going, no, I'm not comfortable, so I'm still not going to go and do that. And I'm still not going to go and, you know, put myself in that position to be around lots of people. So you will still get people isolating themselves anyway because they're not ready for it to be over. And... You know, so I think you've got lots of people in lots of different camps, but we as an individual have absolutely no control apart from what we do for ourselves. I agree. I, just, I think it's quite weird how, I mean, the way my perception works is before that the coronavirus kind of took hold, we had Brexit last year, which was everyone was getting stressed out about hearing about it, and it seemed like yeah. two parties, if we could just touch on politics just a little bit. So we've got, yeah. we had two parties, you know, you had Labour and we had Conservatives, so it was literally, it was like two tribes going to war. Every time you turned on the TV over here, they were there, and it was like, oh, change the record already. Exactly. But yeah. it's weird how now it's strange because... We had the preparation because we had Brexit and everyone was talking about stockpiling and there were rumours. We weren't told, you know, that we're covered when Brexit takes place. So we were told was like, you know, we're going to fall off a cliff and that's how it's going to be. But it's strange how now we have the coronavirus. And I don't know about you, but it's actually been very healthy not to see two parliaments coming onto news and saying, well, you know, the Tories aren't doing this, the Tories aren't doing that. I actually haven't heard that much about Labour and it's been quite refreshing because it's like surely that tells you there are bigger things at play here, you know? Exactly, exactly. That's my thought because it's, you know, the thing about the news, so we have years, didn't we, of the minute Brexit was mentioned, it was a constant thing oh on the Oh my god, yeah, yeah. <laughs> with the coronavirus, when that started, um, they started reporting what was happening in China and stuff. The problem with the news is it's always done from a worst-case scenario perspective. Yeah. It doesn't matter who the journalist is, it doesn't matter whether it's BBC, ITV, whoever, it doesn't matter who it is. It's always reported on a worst-case scenario. 
And I just think that is the worst thing to do because there are people who can catastrophize in their minds on a daily basis over little things, let alone something that's global and is scary and people are dying from. Um, so there's never, you know, there's less reporting about the people who are recovering from it. It's all about the doom and gloom. And I know we need to know what's going on. I know we need to know that our NHS has enough um, PPA. I know that we need to know all of these things. But goodness gracious, it's, it's, it's like, oh, it just envelops you, doesn't it? If you let it, it would just take over your day. You would be constantly listening to it. But your mindset would be in that of worst case scenario. So I don't think that's healthy for anybody. So I think the news, the reporting on, of the news is partly to blame for any scaremongering. I agree, um, yeah. with Brexit and obviously now the coronavirus. Um, you know, even when you listen to the daily updates and then you have uh, the journalists asking questions, I literally have to turn it off. As soon as the um, broadcast is over, I, I just turn it off because they relentlessly ask the same questions in different ways from worst-case scenario perspectives. And it's just regurgitated and regurgitated and regurgitated. And I just go, no, I'm not doing it. Not doing that, you know, because that's not good for somebody's headspace, I don't think. I agree. I mean, it's like uh, last week they were talking about the mental health epidemic and it's weird because yeah. that seems to be a forgotten where before we had a mental health epidemic and now we're in a pandemic. But I think the mental health epidemic should be a pandemic because everyone has a brain and everyone, you know, the brains produce chemicals that sometimes are out of our control and can lead to depression and anxiety. And you, I completely agree with what you just said. It's like, we're built with fight or flight, right? It seems to be like that's what our innate desire is to keep us alive. But what I find fascinating, if I apply what you just said to it, it seems that when you turn on the news, you can't see your family and friends because we're on lockdown. If you're on social media, sometimes that fuels the fire as well. And it's like, really, if you're... I don't know about you, if I know there's something bad that's on the horizon, be it whether, I don't know, like the food shortages or something, Mine was when the supermarkets ran out of things like toilet roll and things like that. Now, for me, I kind of got a bit anxious because I thought if I can't keep myself fed, I'm going to die. I'm human. Yeah. I need feet. I need food to fuel myself. And I thought my my fight or flight kicked in because my brain was like, OK, let's look at this logically. Right. There are we are we are the fifth richest country in the world. We have to get food from somewhere. Uh, we've had, you know, years of, we've, <laughs> we've had years of evolving, you know, and we are, all of us are built to survive. But it's strange because every time you turn on the news, they were saying about, you know, people going to stockpiling and things. And I actually found that I was envying the people that had cars that were able to go to supermarkets and load up on food. And I thought, from my point of view, you know, I have chronic health conditions. I can't get out. What am I supposed to do? But it's strange because in my brain, I had to take myself away from the situation and think logically, okay, what is my backup? What can I put forward to change? You know, what is it that I can do? And it's weird how 
when you take yourself away from the negativity, you find a backup and you think, okay, this I can manage, this I'm okay with. But yeah, I think you hit the nail right on the head with that. It's just so much negativity. And no one talks about how many people are recovering. Nobody talks no, about... Exactly. Yeah. And, and when you think about clients that reported about even from the very start about the stockpiling, I mean, you know, nothing spreads quicker than fear. Exactly. And they were doing worst case scenarios. Oh, supermarkets are running. Yes, of course they were because people were going in and obviously bulk buying as much as they possibly could. But when you think about it, you have, okay, so you might not be able to go in and get your favourite, you know, bag of pasta, mm. but there was food on the shelves. So you go in and you buy just what you can. It might not be what you would normally eat, but you would be able to feed yourself. Yeah. Even on it, just on, on basics or whatever was there. But the reporting on um, the panic buying just fueled it. And it just went straight across country because people went into a panic of going, well, hang on a minute, there's nothing there. I need to get down. I need to panic buy. You know, I mean, what was the thing with toilet rolls? <laughs> you know, I, I, look, and now I sit back, I go, oh, the panic over toilet rolls. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I understand so. You know, people may be thinking, oh, you know, can't get this, can't get that. Toilet rolls, you know, really? <laughs> you, you take a step back from it and you, you sort of go, the reporting on that spread those stories quicker than any panic buying did. There was panic buying going and the minute they reported on it, that just escalated out of control to the point where we got to, you know, you could buy one of each item or whatever it happened to be. I couldn't understand it because we were having the distributors coming on saying, hang on a minute, we have huge stockpiles of food. There is no issue with the amount of food. But because you're panic buying, we can't actually get it to your supermarkets quick enough. Yeah. But it's there. So if we all just buy normally, there would be no difference. It's almost like now where people are going in and buying normally. Yes, we still have to queue outside obviously for the social distancing thing. But, you know, the food is there. And that was just calm that all down. But again, it comes down to the reporting. It's worst case scenario. And then you have those people who are most vulnerable. So the elderly who can't get out, people with chronic illness who can't get out, people who can't, you know, have no car or anything like that, who can't go and do a weekly job, they are the ones most at need who couldn't get food. But it was fueled by journalists thought, panic buying, panic buying. Because everybody's mentality just went, well, if they're doing it, I need to do it. Exactly. Get as many of them as you can. And then you go, what? What are we doing? This is ridiculous. Just don't, just buy your normal food like you normally would. And once that all comes down, you can see that. Most people are coming back and saying, yeah, so, you know, you might get your thing here and there that you can't get. Yeah, I was just going to say, I think, like, it's kind of 
what I call it's like SOS, shiny object syndrome, where everyone's on it. <laughs> That's what I call it. It's like it's kind of like when something trends and it's like a shiny object syndrome. You know, oh, it's shiny. I'm gonna do this, and then it's yeah, like, I mean, oh. I mean it. <laughs> <laughs> But it's yeah because like what you just said, I would say also they poured a little bit of poison on it as well because when when to be I'm gonna be kind of blunt here where the shit hit the fan with like the panic buy and it's strange because they also talked about like the class sim systems as well. I mean you might have someone that might not be able to afford to get like a week shop and you had someone going out and buying all this stuff they didn't need and it's crazy because they would put toilet rolls on eBay that sold for nearly 80 quid they'd put sanitizer that they found in the back of the cupboard and it's like what are you even on you know yeah that is absolutely ridiculous and anybody any shop that inflated their prices it should be you know named and shamed in my mind because that is just outrageous to do that and that's what i was talking about the people who are most vulnerable the people you know you have pensioners who live uh, week to week on their pension you have people on incredibly low incomes having to feed like a family and literally have to buy day by day because they don't know how much money they have and they're just buying dinner to dinner to dinner and they're the ones that are suffering because there was nothing in there for them so it you know and what what, what was that that was fueled by the reporting exactly so, um, they, they almost created that um, situation for those people who can't afford to go and buy a weekly shop or a monthly shop or whatever it happens to be. You know, it's like, oh, just the privilege. Just, you know, there's no, uh, that's the type of thing that infuriates me because there's, no, uh, there's absolutely no reason for it. Do you know what I mean? But at least the good thing is there is lots of um, systems in place now. It took a while, but, you know, People are really, you know, it seems like people are really pulling together. They're helping out neighbours, they're helping out friends, they're helping out um, elderly relatives. You've got all this volunteering going on, making sure people get food boxes and everything. You've got businesses trying to um, really adapt so that people can get, you know, you've got farm shops and that who are, are really trying so that people can get fresh food, fresh produce and, and still eat well, um, but it just took a while because everybody was in that whirlwind. It was all a bit crazy for a couple of weeks, wasn't it? It's strange, you know, because I was watching um, a TV channel this morning. It's on in the morning and um, there's a should we say i'm just gonna i'm not gonna say the person's name but there's a doctor on there and they were talking about schools going you know kids going back to school and they yeah. were saying that you have all different you know you have like the people that are the kids going into the first year of um, secondary school which is hard enough you've got kids yeah. going through to gcse's and this doctor this one thing that he said and i'll be honest it really got my goat and i thought oh my god and it's weird because you hit the nail on the head when you said about the fear-mongering, and it's a little bit of what I call the old world before the coronavirus. It's weird because this seems to, what he said, this whole creating a fear, seems to suit people that are in high places that, you know, have a wealth of income coming in, that have a career, it doesn't affect them, but what their words say can affect people. He said about... It affects the worst people it affects yeah. the most vulnerable people exactly and that's why i say about checking your privilege do you know what i mean yeah just, 
that I consider myself lucky that I have um, a, a garden that yeah. I can have my back door open, wander in and out, sit out there, enjoy the quiet, especially with the sunshine. And that's why I said, imagine being, you know, in a flat with young children, bear in mind you're having to try, you know, all this homeschooling. Yeah, yeah. Malarkey that's going on. I mean, good God. It, it, it's, yeah. It's like he was saying about kids and he said about getting kids back to school and he said it kind of comes down to that if you are, if I'm kind of paraphrasing correctly here, he said if you are from like a background where you have education, you're better, you know, you have, the world is more open to you than if you don't have a good education and I thought, I'll be honest with you, we, it's like us two, right, we come from different walks of life but we get on and what I find fascinating is, right, when I was growing up, I was that kid that lived in a flat that, you know, if you applied what's happening now to back in my past, I, you know, I grew up with a single mum, and if I applied that now, it would have been a struggle. Yeah. When you apply chronic illness, which is my life from 12 years old to now, it's kind of like, it's been a struggle, but I could have done way worse. And I think, why would you say that people from different backgrounds you know, it's kind of like, oh, they have to be in education because, you know, they have to go to university, they have to get these great jobs. And it's like, oh, my God, do you know what and happens in the world, you know? Me <laughs> if my husband and my son were down here, they'd be rolling their eyes, they to go, God, she's about to go. <laughs> this is it. Hold my head in because, you know, if this timeline is forced upon the kids, you know, yeah. you've got to go to, um, you know, a decent school. You know, you've got parents. Um, see, my, my boys, one has just turned 22 and the other one is 19. Uh, they both ended up going to a grammar school, which, looking back on it now, if I had the choice, quite possibly I wouldn't have done, but that's a whole other issue. Because when you, you've got parents who have their children's, children tutored the past the 11 plus to get to a grammar school and you can see the mentality of oh well they go to a grammar school they'll have like more options open to them blah blah blah, blah. so for those listeners that don't so, know what a grammar school is could you elaborate a little bit on what a grammar school is just like people you know is, is where it's um well if you pass the, the 11 plus and i don't think the 11 plus is in every area uh, but you go to the school it's it's um, the subjects will be more academic and less hands-on. Uh, so a comprehensive will have a huge range of um, subjects, um, you know, media, photography, uh, all of these sorts of things, um, uh, food tech, all, all, all this sort of uh, really good hands-on stuff that some kids are brilliant at. So you could pass the LEM plus and go to a grammar school. So the minute you walk in that door, they are, they are scaremongering you about passing the GCSE because you'll never get anywhere if you don't pass your GCSE from the minute you walk in the door. And that's through experience. I know this through experience. And um, everything comes down to uh, passing the GCSEs because if you don't pass the GCSEs, you won't get back for A-levels. If you don't get your A-levels, you won't go into uni. Nothing else is talked about. Uni, 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 uni. That's the end goal of a grammar school, is to get as many pupils to a university as possible. It's like a big conveyor belt game. 
choose to go, say, for an apprenticeship or anything like that, it's not, there is no information in these schools, or let's say there's the least information. I remember my son saying, oh, yeah, there's an A4 page with a person's name on it and a number if you want to find out about anything else. So, you know, a child at 16 is not going to phone up a random person on a random number and go, what other options are open to me? It just wow. doesn't happen. So the, the, the timeline is forced upon them. And one of my, my eldest is at uni, he's doing his last year. And I can categorically say it's been the best thing for him. It's been brilliant for life skills. He's enjoyed the experience. Fingers crossed he comes out with a degree. Um, because that will stay with him regardless of what he decides to do. He's not going into the degree he's taken. He's not going into that area um, of work. He knows that. Um, but he's, the, the experience he's gained has been well worth that whole uni process. Whereas my youngest one was unsure and visited a couple of unis and then had the... Um, to go, you know what, that's not for me. That's, uh, I'm not, and it was almost like relief to me and my husband. We were like, oh, God, for that, because we knew he wasn't going to do any work. He's one of those kids, you know, he's the cheeky chaffe, um, he is a bright kid, but he never applies himself, ever, ever, ever. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> the thought of him paying out all that money and not actually doing any work was the least pretend, but at least he was sensible enough to know that. Not because I'm all the same to them. It doesn't have to be the norm. They're telling you it's the norm, but actually, you can come out and work in anywhere. You know, get a job anywhere, doing anything. Just because you don't go to uni does not make you a lesser person. Quite often, um, you know, people go down an incredibly successful route from not going to uni. <laughs> Yeah, you know, yeah. You also have children at that age, like my son is 19, has no clue what he wants to do. None whatsoever. So what is the point of going to do a degree in a random subject if he has no clue what he wants to do? So he, he chose to work part-time in retail and travel. So he was going to try and do as, you know, as much um, European short uh, city breaks as he could within, say, a year or two. Obviously, he's had a few trips cancelled because of it. So, but I said to him, but there's no panic. There's no panic to end that. You have a part-time job. I know you don't particularly like it, but it gives you the money to travel. So if you still don't know what you want to do, this isn't wasted time. This just extends your time to travel. Exactly, yeah. If you then do another year and still travel, what, what, what it's a big panic for you to go, I must be working, and I must be working full-time. I need to get a job that I'm not going to enjoy. I don't know what I want to do, and then I'm going to be tied down. So I, I just, this pressure is put on them. See, there's me. I'm also <laughs> one. You see, my husband will be rolling inside. Anyway, the whole point of it is, is to say there is no timeline. It doesn't matter what anybody says to you. There is no timeline, and it doesn't matter about the education, you are not guaranteed a better life, a better uh, prospect with education. Yes, if you're going into certain areas, so if you're going down the medical route, veterinary route, uh, law route, anything like that, of course you need to go down that route. You, you couldn't get into those areas if you didn't. But, you know, there's jobs doing all sorts of things that suit 
people are more people-oriented. It's just, for goodness sake, why are these kids so pressured? And then you hear something like that on the telly. So, like, let's make everybody else feel like shit that, you know, that maybe sitting in their flat worrying about where their next bit of money is coming from to buy the dinners for their kids. You know, why yeah. make those people feel more inadequate? Um, that it just comes back to checking your privilege. You know, those blanket statements can hurt a lot of people. And it normally comes from somebody in a privileged position. I'll be honest, I'd like to thank you because you've actually given me quite a gift there where you described what a grammar school does because I come from the flip side of that. When I uh, I grew up in kind of a single parent family, so there was a lot of love and a lot of support, but at school there wasn't a lot because when I hit 12 I got migraines, so it completely turned my life upside down. And I found that for myself I had to fight that little bit more, but because I guess I was from a single parent family, for me it became the norm and it's something, like you said about your son, you know, about his degree, it's something that's going to follow him throughout his life. For me, with the whole fight and the whole motivation, that's something that I took from, you know, like the hardships of early life. So what I found fascinating was that when I was at school, I was put on a part-time timetable because of migraine, and I found that I was more into creative things. So I was more hands-on, and also I, I kind of liked being creative, and that was my outlet for things, you know? When I went to college, it was the same thing. I took a course that I liked from school, because I'll be honest, I left with no qualifications, because the school that I was at didn't really invest in me, and... The, to be honest, the community I found myself in back then wasn't really great with disability. Migraines weren't talked about or heard of, so I was kind of left to my own devices. But something for me that followed me was creativity. When I went to my first college, I, um, I actually went into leisure and tourism because to me it's something that I really connected with. And I studied that and it's something that I took with me throughout my entire life and it still helps me now. But the strange thing is, I was left alone when I was at school. I was put on a part-time timetable, and I remember the attendance officer at my school literally put so much pressure on me. You should be doing this. You should be doing that. You're going to leave with no qualifications. At home, I was so supportive. My mum was a complete angel, and she said, whatever you want to do, we'll find a way of making it happen. But I was different from my peers. When I kind of got older and I realised that I wanted to either do something in the creative field or something to do with like acting or something along those lines, I then realised that if you have enough motivation and you are willing to learn different things, you can, you know, you can do a, a hell of a lot. And it's strange because where I find myself now, I did a lot of volunteering when I was in my teenage years. I went into radio and I, I found something that lit me up and that I was good at. And I kind of took the gift of not many people can say they've been in a radio studio, which to me was like, ah, I found my thing. <laughs> and the strange thing is, it's like now I have a small business that's on Etsy where I create things and it's so great to be able to turn around and say that you can make something and someone somewhere else are willing to pay money, you know, to yeah. to have something you created. So even though I didn't have kind of big ideas of being a lawyer or a barrister or, you know, something like that, the career path I took or the path that I was hoping to take, it felt right for me. And the strange thing is, the reason why I want to say thank you to you is because 
when the financial crash happened, I think it was 2009, wasn't it? When yeah. that happened, I found myself unemployed. And it's weird because I, how you describe grammar school was exactly the, the kind of pressure I had. And I didn't realise that the government of the time were all kind of, they were private schoolboys, you know, they, they didn't know what real life was. Not to say everyone that goes privately doesn't, but in my kind of perception, they kind of put themselves at the top, you know, they were MPs that were trying to get an economy going, and they didn't care who they could push in to get into work, they just applied the pressure to try and get people to restart the economy. And it's weird because that actually had like a traumatic effect on me, you know, we were kind of told, you're basically you're the younger generation you're supposed to be going out there take any job put all the hours in and you're supposed to get the economy back it wasn't until years later we found out that those guys that were at the top were the bailing out the banks in the big you know these men and women in big suits that let the economy fall and the strange thing was is that it had such a detrimental effect on my health and i couldn't figure out where all this pressure was coming from and now, as you described what your boys have gone through and what your experience has been like, and I was like, that's it. That's what I, you know, that's like the missing piece of my puzzle. That would make sense as to why I found it so stressful. So to that, I really want to say thank you for being so open and sharing that. Oh, that's all right. <laughs> that's just my point of view. Yeah. They laugh at me in here. They go, oh, God, she's open one again. <laughs> I just think, you know, if everybody... Anything after our O levels, we didn't stay to 
do A levels. He didn't even do O levels, my husband. And um, you know, we went then through. We did the forces. Uh, so it's that sort of thing. Is not everybody has to go in that route. Um, but you know, so we think none of us had uh, a great education that it would be classed as today. And yet here we are. We're homeowners. Uh, got a nice house garden, our two children are two rounded, normal, average uh, children, you know, um, my husband's in a secure job, about to retire, it's like, it, you need to feel like that your life will be nothing if you don't go down that route, and that is not true, not true at all. Exactly, which leads me on to my next question, did you like society how it was before? No, I we didn't were either. Just, we were just miserable. Become <laughs> greedy. How, how, yeah. That's what started me off with the with the panic buy. And I, I just said to my husband, I remember saying to my husband, you know, as a nation, we're bred to be greedy because at that time they were they were reporting from, I think it was Italy, they were in lockdown, but there was no panic buying over there. They were just going to their local little supermarkets, buying as they normally did, and coming out and all of that. And I go, but as a nation, it's almost like you're bred to be greedy. Yeah. And it goes back to that, get a good education, get a good job. Exactly, earn yeah. Earn money, get the house, get this, go on the holidays, have the best car, wear the designer clothes. That's how people judge life you know, in this country. And so, trample on people to get there because as long yeah. as you're above people, you can't hit the bottom. Exactly, and it's just that greed. Yeah. Everything was about greed. What do you have? You know, um, you know, it's like people saying, oh, you're sort of here and we're off there for our holidays. And you go, oh, I'm taking my boys on holidays for you. It's kind of all day. It's just how it is. Yeah. But they haven't suffered because of that. They are well-rounded, normal, average, good, hard, flexible kids. <laughs> so it's just like, for goodness sake. So I'm hoping that when we come out of it, that people are a little bit nicer. But I have a horrible feeling that people are going to be so... <laughs> you know, it's, it's only weeks. We've only been in lockdown recently. It's not like years. Yeah. Not like we've, we've just gone through World War Two. you know, we've yeah. got nothing left and people have nothing left. This is like shops are shut down, you know, and people will be so desperate to get out, to go shopping, to go eat in the restaurants, to go do whatever they want. It will be like, they won't necessarily appreciate it like you think we should be. Yeah, yeah. Where we go, oh, what a wonderful treat this is. People will just be going mad because they can. And I'm hoping that doesn't happen. But, you know, you've got to be realistic. I'm a realist, if nothing else. And I just think, not everybody, because you can't throw everybody with the same brush, but, you know, you're going to have that percentage of people that will just go and go mad and it won't have affected them. It won't have um, impacted on their life other than they haven't been able to go out with their mates to the pub or whatever. Um, you know, and those sorts of people won't, don't change, do they? They're, they don't seem to, no. You have those percentage of people that just don't change. But I think a good proportion of people are 
being able to see their family or feeling not being able to celebrate, um, you know, birthdays and, um, you know, you think about uh, people who are pregnant and maybe can't have their baby shower or even having a baby and then not being able to show and share that with their parents. You know, they're missing out on all of the stuff that goes with that. So I think those sorts of people will really appreciate when things go back to normal. And you would like to think that people start appreciating the little things, but yeah, I, I am a realist, so I do think people it will just go a little bit bizarre for a little while. Do you think some generations have been better at lockdown than others? I think the younger generation have found it way more harder than the older generation. Yeah, and I do really feel for the younger generation. You know, people in their 20s and, and, and maybe even early 30s, where they, they're used to a fast life, aren't they? They're yeah. used to, uh, being, you know, maybe they... Uh, you know, work up turn and go out up turn and there's all these things to do. People are always out doing things, celebrating things, going places, going on holiday. But they've grown up not knowing any difference. So I think they're probably the ones that are hit hardest. Yeah. Um, the ones that have surprised me about the older generation. <laughs> where they just, it's almost like, well, just because I'm 70. How dare you tell me I can't go out? And I'm not <laughs> I'm going out. And you sort of go, you know, oh, we're doing this for your benefit. <laughs> we're trying to be helpful, we really are. But so I think you have the extremes of those age groups. But I think everybody else, you know, children, I know people are worried about the children, but I think children are probably really enjoying having the family around yeah you know to, you know you have people who are able to work from home which is fantastic but obviously you have that awful same thing where people are furloughed and stuff yeah so out of work um so i think kids of, of a certain age and under will probably just enjoy the fact that their parents are around because not in normal life that might not be what happens um and people in my age group, I think we've, I don't know, I just think people in my age group know it's not coming to an end, it's not the end of the world, it's hard, but you know, it's for a reason and we'll make the best of, of what we have, get out and get your walk or take the dog for a walk or whatever. Um, and we're probably the generation that will go, yes, we'll enjoy the little things. You know, oh my God, a coffee and cake with my friend. Oh, can't wait, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, some people would look at that and go, oh, good life. <laughs> but really, that's, that's, that's the difference you have, isn't it? Yeah. So, but I do feel for that late teenager, 20s age group, I think they're probably being hit the hardest. They're the ones that probably would feel it the hard, hardest. Obviously, you've got that percentage of, of those ones that are still maybe cheekily going out. Yeah. And meeting up with their friends and pretending that, that, that they're maybe social distancing when they're not. Um, but it must be incredibly hard for them. They live such a fast life, it must be so difficult. 
So this leads me on to my next question. Your lifestyle in particular, because you're a content creator and you need, I guess, small businesses or businesses to help you to do your job. But I want to kind of, let's inject a little bit into this. So what was your life before? What was it like before the coronavirus? Like explain Tracy's day before the coronavirus. Well, obviously, you know, we both have chronic illness, so we know our days are very different than other people's days. Um, so there would be a level of activity that I would have on a normal basis. Um, that may be just nipping out to get some shopping or having to go to an appointment or maybe popping to see a client. Um, you know, you've all, we've all got our commitments on a normal, or, you know, on a normal week, although obviously mine would be a lot lower than than a normal person's and then I fit my business side of things in and around what activity I have because obviously you have the fallout of the activity. Yeah. So um, there were things that I was, I was probably just a bit like, you know, when you see a duck and it's floating along that looks lovely and serene but actually underneath its legs are going manically mad. <laughs> that was probably how I was being for me with chronic illness. I was, I, I talked to you before, I do the boom and bust, you know, so I, I get myself through a busy couple of days and then, and then it's almost like my body relaxes and that's when everything hits. So, of course, that is then difficult to fit in what you need to do with your business. But, so I was doing what was necessary, but I wasn't going any deeper than that. Um, doing stuff I should have been doing, and that's just simply because of the fallout. So, flipping that to what it is now where I haven't got that natural activity, I found myself going deeper into certainly the blog side of things, and educating myself on what I need to do on the background jobs to actually make it work better, um, whereas I didn't have the, the time for that, because I don't know about you, but certainly for Emmy and the Psycho, people don't realise that actually mental exertion is just as physically draining as me walking to the end of the road and back. Yeah. Um, so if I was physically active, then mentally I couldn't start a job that meant real in-depth researching into something. So those sorts of jobs on the were put aside, put aside, oh, I must get around to doing that. Um, and obviously not because I haven't got the physical activity. I'm still strangely just as exhausted, but that's because I've been working hard behind the scenes and educating myself and doing uh, little courses and putting that stuff into practice. So still it's just as exhausted, <laughs> just not actually physically as active, if that makes sense. Yeah, for me, I, I kind of agree. For me, I've noticed that it's it's so strange because, like, we st when we started this podcast episode, I get, oh, my God, my teeth, seriously, I'll put them back in. Okay, when we first started this podcast episode and we were saying, you know, that we've kind of had years of experience before the lockdown even hit because we've had to adapt and listen to our bodies. I've taken this time to evaluate, like, what I can and can't do and how it's weird because... When you, I talked about this with Sophie and I was saying, you know, that before the lockdown, it was kind of how 
it's kind of like being diagnosed with a chronic illness or you're starting to feel the effects of fatigue and then you notice everyone else is on like a different speed but with the lockdown everyone is on the same speed but i noticed that we have different motivation that's the weird thing about it some people just aren't motivated and some people are yeah well i went through that first week or two um when everything really went from people still being out about to lockdown and the streets were quieter, um, you know, even sitting in the back garden it seems quieter because we have some works going out on the on on the park at the back of us, so there was constant noise from that that stuff, um, and there was less cars going up and down on the road. It just naturally seemed quieter and it seemed quite chilled and it was like, oh, okay, okay, you know, let me watch on Netflix. You know, sitting in the garden, we were so lucky because we had that lovely weather. So we constantly just sat in the garden, um, you know, and just bothered really. And I fell into that, and it was almost like a holiday mode. You know, we just chilling out. Oh, we're going to have to dinner. Oh, sitting out. And then I noticed that actually my motivation was decreasing by doing that. And I thought, oh no, hang on a minute. Uh, This is probably the time to do all the jobs I said. I am so desperate to get done, but I don't have the time to. And I'm not talking about jobs in in the house. I'm I'm, I'm talking about business side of things. And I thought, shall I, shall I? And I started looking into it. And then that led me on to, and then my motivation started coming up and going, yeah. Use the time, do those types of free courses on different things that you have to register and watch, um, you know, the live videos where I was downloading stuff, working through checklists, things I didn't understand, then going in and researching those. And it sort of seemed to be an upward thought, but I was really focused on doing that. I was really glad I was finally getting somewhere. So for me, the motivation, the lack of motivation was right at the start. But actually now, I'm... I'm quite happy to be using that time and not moment panicking about running out of time to be able to do that. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. We were having all this talk about, oh, what's he going to say on Thursday? Oh, when is this all going to start to lift? We're starting to get things in from different countries and they're starting to lift certain restrictions. I'm not actually panicking going, oh, I need to make sure I have that all up to date before we go back to normal because I won't have that time. I won't have the energy because I think the shift in pace when things start to go back to normal will have a real physical effect on my body from not being out doing that natural level of activity. Yeah. It's going to be a big adjustment. So you know that's going to hit your body hard. Um, so yeah, that and that sort of thing is keeping me motivated to go, right, let's make sure as soon as stuff starts going back and I start um, getting back to some sort of normal activity, I have that all under my belt, it's all under control, it's all up to date, and therefore I'm just topping it up as opposed to still seeing it as a massive task to do. Um, so yeah, so that's, that. I'm actually more motivated now as the time's going on, rather than the other way around, whereas I know some people are probably the other way around. The longer it goes on, it's probably hard for some people to stay motivated. Do you think this was Mother Nature's way of clearing things up? Oh, there's always, there's, there's always going to 
those things around, isn't there? And it's a horrible thing to, it's actually a horrible thing to talk about because of the numbers that are involved worldwide. It's awful when you think about it. Um, But you know, I'm I'm a, in in life in general, I'm I'm a believer of things happening for a reason. Um, And yeah, yeah, there would be an element of that. I, I think there's an, I mean, it's worldwide, it's not just us, it's not just a county somewhere, it's not just a town somewhere, it's it's everywhere now, you know, um, yeah, and it would be hard not to have that fleeting thought go through your head, but it is, at the same time, I, that makes me cringe, because I think that it's almost like a real harsh way of looking at it, mm. when, when, in respect of the numbers that yeah. it's affected. Do you know what I mean? Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah. Because I think what it is, we're trying to make sense of it, because like you said, you know, it's on such a global scale. So we're oh. trying to make sense of it by thinking, okay, is is this, I mean, some things, I've talked to like different people, when you're able to talk to them, you know, talk to different people and they have like all a different perspective. I mean, I've had the perspective of this was meant to be to do with 5G, you know, the signal that that kind of created radiation. I mean, the only thing I haven't heard yet is that it was aliens. I'm waiting for that one. But I know, because there's always going to be people with different views on, on what it is, and they're going to be quite um, avid about those views. Yeah. Um, I, I am in the camp of, of um, you know, we have no... Con- there's no control over this to a certain degree. As a small individual person, that I have no control o- apart from the fact that I can try and keep myself safe. That's yeah. it. Um, and it will run its course. It will be what it will be. And um, everybody will look back at that. It's like one of those things that everybody will look back at that time in history and go, oh, my God, that actually went on. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's hard when it's when it's on a, a global scale. I I don't go down. I I'm not a, a conspiracy theory. I'm no, neither am I. I just, do, I just I deal in facts and I deal in what's happening. Yeah. And um, because again, I think it can lead you down that rabbit hole of constantly reading into it, constantly, uh, constant fear-mongering, the constant um, theories that will make you panic about other things, you know? And yeah. if you just get into that, you know, it's going to throw people, some people, into, especially people that have any sort of form of health anxiety or just anxiety in general, it's going to throw them down a spiral um, because... You will fear everything. It will take over. You will fear everything, won't you? So, but you will then spend your time in fear of all of these things that you don't know whether is going on or not. Yeah. So you've lost that time that you will never get back in fear because you've allowed it to take over. And I know that people with um, anxiety have very little control over that. That's just how they tick. That's what anxiety is. You know, it's it's those. Um, irrational thoughts mm. that it's real to those people um so it's for me it's keeping it to a minimum it's uh, it sounds awful obviously when we're on the podcast talking about it but not engaging in those conversations yeah what if, what if, what if, because 
start just opens your name to all other things, and then those things would be on your name. So we don't know how it started, but we've been told to stay home. We're doing that. We're finding things to do, and then we're hoping to carry what we've learned you on know, not, to the future. And, and years down the line, it will all come out, won't it? It yeah. will all come out as to what it is and yeah. whatever. But you can worry yourself about all those little things that probably might even be irrelevant. But you've worried yourself about that and that's impacted on your daily life when in fact it might not have anything to do with that at all. Yeah. So, you know, that's the control that you can try and have if you're able to do that. Obviously, you know, with mental health and stuff um, and people with depression and, and anxiety, that's incredibly difficult for them to do because of their mental health, because of their mental health condition. So, um, yeah, I, I, it's, it, I stay away from the fear-mongering, I stay away from the conspiracy stuff. Mm. I just feel in the daily um, update, and, and that's, that's it. I then go about yeah. my life saying, yeah. right, well, I, I'm, I'm not going out today, I'm not, what's well, a nice day, I'll sit in the garden, or what can I get done today? That's, that's what I deal in. Yeah. There are other things in life than watching TV and all that kind of stuff. You just well, kind of got to be in the here and now. I'm not for watching TV. I am a binge watcher. I'm not binge watching the news. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense, you know. <laughs> <laughs> all I can binge watch with business. I'm from the news binge watching. That and Elvis Presley videos. <laughs> I had to, I'm sorry. <laughs> Tracy uh, mentioned on her Instagram that she <laughs> she fell down the rabbit hole on YouTube of watching Elvis Presley videos, and I thought, oh god, we've got to talk about that on the podcast. I mean, come on. I can't be the only one, surely. I can't. Oh dear, I don't even know what to start me off. I'm just Oh 
my goodness. It's weird because when you mentioned that, right, oh, my cheeks are hurting now. Oh, seriously. When you mentioned that, I remember, I think it was a few weeks ago before, I think just as the lockdown um, hit, and my mum and myself and my other half were talking about holograms because they have um, an Elvis Presley hologram, don't they? And I remember... Did they do a concert or something? Didn't they do a concert? Oh, no, they did a Whitney Houston one. I know because my mum, myself and Jack were talking about holograms because I, I think a few weeks prior to lockdown I was looking at Houston's hologram and I was really taken aback by it because I thought it's both weird and interesting to me all at the same time. But they can do that. I know. It really is. It's like, you know the person has passed, but yet they're on stage. And it's like, when you mention Elvis, because I know that his daughter did a duet with his hologram, and it was like, mm. wow. You know, yeah, that, that I mean, that has to be both gosh. weird and interesting, you know? I know. I mean, because I was doing this... Um, uh, one of my favourite ones from uh, a concert he did, Alone Up in Hawaii, which is my all-time favourite. And my son was like, I said, but can you imagine? And, and he's laughing at me because I'm like going, could you imagine that? Could you imagine being in that audience, listening to that music, starting to look at him? I said, could you imagine the feeling you would have? He'd go, yeah, okay, we get that he would be your number right no i mean i don't know if i think i direct messaged you didn't i because when um i saw the whitney houston one that was on a tv show over here called this morning and they kind of did like a little sitting where i think it was um philip and holly on this morning or was it ruth and Eamon? i'm not sure and when they did that and do you remember i think i direct messaged you and said about the hologram and i thought i can imagine tracy going to see one of these shows and how amazing that would be to write a review on seeing a hologram oh no that's I mean, can you imagine yeah. that? <laughs> that I would love. Oh, um, yeah, I would absolutely. I would be right in the moment, especially if it was like an Elvis thing, so bang on a bit of Elvis, but you know, Elvis. Elvis, you know. Just kind of over that feeling of going, I, yeah, you know it's not that person, but that, the, the way they do it is so incredibly clever and realistic. Yeah. I think it would be hard not to immerse yourself in something like that. I would love it. I would be the perfect guest there because I would be the mad one screaming. <laughs> you know, I would probably be removed from making too much noise. <laughs> I'm going to question your level of commitment here, Tracy. Do you have an Elvis t-shirt? Like, you know how you get, like, band t-shirts? Because I've got a Nickelback one. For you guys that haven't seen it, I will share it on my Instagram. Do you have, like, a band t-shirt of Elvis? No, I have absolutely no. nothing. No! How can you not? You're I a fan! Nothing. I have absolutely nothing. I've just always loved them. I think my dad loved them. Um, so I remember listening to music. And then, you know, I remember where I was when 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 it was announced that he died. Oh, Strange God. Enough, I was only seven. But I remember the announcement because they, they announced that he died. And then they came back and said, no, no, we've got that wrong. He's been taken to hospital. And then they come back and said, no, it, we were right. It, he has actually 
in fact died. And I remember that very strange announcement. Um, yeah, so I think my love from that has just come from my, my dad, like he loves it with music and, and stuff. And I've always just had that fascination. I tell my son, I just, you know, obviously he did loads of these um, films and stuff. And they used to, so I'm going back when I was a teenager at Sesame School, and my old brother had the colour portable TV in his room. So, you know, these are the days where you were really lucky to have a telly up there. And I would go in, and it was a Tuesday night, and they used to play from 6 to 7.30, and I would write my essay for my commerce um, <laughs> uh, GCSE. In that time, I would just get the essay out, I'd be watching the Elvis film in colour um, in my brother's room, and I would write my essay. And I did that week in, week out, all the time they played it. My, my son just looked up me, and he's gone, like, are you mad? <laughs> I don't know. I just, yeah, so it's always, I've always had that fascination. I've loved to go to Graceland, but, you know, I'd have to win the lottery first. But, you yeah, know, there is that, we yeah. We can, yeah, but wouldn't it be great, like, with the Whitney Houston one, because before the coronavirus lockdown, they had a, like, they were touring, weren't they, with the hologram? I mean, the only thing is, though, I've seen, like, the show on YouTube, and the only little, little bit of thing I would say is that apparently the hologram's hair and outfit changes during the song, which to me would throw me off a little bit, because, um, you know... Yes, if you're one of those people who know those things, that I am that weirdo. <laughs> yeah, see, now that's always going to be with you. So if you ever got, you know, it's little things like that that they have to be really careful with, don't they? Because yeah. Because that could just, that takes away that whole imagination yeah. that that person could be there, couldn't it? So yeah. the whole impression that you're trying to give is just taken away in that one second from that, that change, you know? So, yeah. But incredibly clever how they do it. It really is. So I um I wanted to ask, have you learned anything about yourself since lockdown? Listen, I wrote a post literally last week or the week before about things I've learned in lockdown. And I can tell you the first one is I am way too comfortable with the PJ like <laughs> too comfortable. And you know what people like I've seen them all on, on um online and stuff going, you know, have a really good productive day, get up, get dressed, you know, set your work hours and stuff like that. Otherwise, if you're in PJs, you're not going to get anything done. Yeah. I think that just comes from having chronic illness. That does not affect my productivity at all. <laughs> so, you know, and I even put out a picture just before we started chatting here, so you'll have to go back on my stories and look, about, you know, a Zoom call, whether it's just audio or whether it's video and the difference in the look. And I can tell you I am so glad this is just audio. So, you know, a, I'm way too comfortable with the PJ life and I really need to start making up to actually get dressed. Um, secondly, I noticed that I, uh, in my food, I am so repetitively eating the same things that I am getting so bored with my food. So I need to start... You know how I've seen, I've seen loads of people doing lots of cooking online and stuff. And, yeah, I'm going to try. I've ordered some new recipe books and try some new recipes because it's so easy to fall into a rut. And therefore, you don't really enjoy it that much. And the other big thing was about pacing. 
and I've never been a big piercing fan. I spoke to you that before on, on the first podcast that we did. Um, I love the boom and bust, which is the completely wrong way to do chronic illness, but that works for me. But I've noticed that there's a level of um, sustainability, shall we say, across one day falling into the next for me. Uh, probably because I'm way too comfortable in the PJ, so I'm not making the effort to, you know, um, get out. Um, but it does stabilise things in a way, illness-wise. I'm having far less crashes. Um, so I, you know, I hate to say it, but it probably does work, that piercing, if you can do it. But I know for a fact that when life goes back to normal, I will probably fall into the boom bus trap. But I'm going to try and adjust a couple of things so it's not as high and low as it normally would be for me, definitely, definitely. Do you think it's the going out of the house that's led you to the boom and the bus bit? Because you said you're going to have to adjust some things, so you've noticed there's something in your life that you can take away to make life easier? I'm really curious as to what they are. Listen, when you, any activity, so if I'm going to do anything, be that go and get a bit shopping, or meet a friend, or meet a client, or just go out, or write with my son, whatever it happens to be, the first thing is that you have to get up, get yourself uh, short and dressed, make that effort, and that takes, like, Energy. 30 or spoons away for yeah. the day. They're gone. And that will have a knock-on effect. So, um, so that alone, you have to acknowledge that that is an activity in itself uh, before you even go out of the door. Um, I'm not driving. And, yeah. Um, driving takes so much concentration yeah. from me. Especially yeah. if I've been somewhere and I'm then driving home. I really, that that's a struggle. So... You know, things like that that are naturally taken away from you at the moment, you can see over time has a has a, a good effect. It's having a good effect. But I know when things go back to normal, I am that sort of person that will just fall into that boom and bust trap. Um, so, yeah, just that natural activity of getting ready early, getting out the door wherever you have to go, uh, the physicality of walking wherever you are, you know, even if I just go to a shopping mall, you're walking around the shops, um, the drive there and back, it's all of that. All of those things add up when you have chronic illness. And I consider myself incredibly lucky to be one of the ones that can do a level of activity because I yeah. know there are a lot of people that aren't able even to do that. Um, so, yeah, it, it's something I need to consider. Um, I'm probably not go back to that full-on uh, boom and bust and maybe try and um, organize things so that they're spread throughout the week. Um, I mean, you're going to have those instances where everything comes at once, don't you? you yeah, life happens that way sometimes. And then you have a load of things at once. Yeah. You can't really help that. But overall, I am going to try to sort of counteract um any sort of real highs and real lows. 
on a normal day for me, I have chronic fatigue syndrome as well. And on a normal day for me, it's like today, I have a little bit more energy. So if you gave it like a one being, oh, I am dying, and a 10 being, I am full of life, I balance somewhere between maybe a six and a seven on a good day. But I notice that when I start to feel down or I start to feel kind of, um, I don't know, a little bit low, then I know I've done too much and I need to like recuperate before I crash. When you wake up in the morning, what kind of, what number are you on using that chart? I, I struggle in the morning because I take meds um, in the evening to help relax my muscles to help me get some sleep because of the pain. Um, so I tend to have a little bit of a, a medication hangover in the morning. So mornings yeah. are not great for me. But I do on a Monday morning, on, on a, in regular life, um, I would go and help out of my local Slim and World group because I've, I did Slim and World a couple of years ago. I lost um, a fair bit of weight and I've kept it off ever since and I help out because it's a nice social thing, it's a nice group. Um, but that has a real knock-on effect because I I can't just get up stressed and go out the door. Yeah. I have to get up extra early to allow my body to start moving to be able to get bath and dress and then I need to rest before I go out the door. So therefore that makes that morning a lot longer than it would be for a normal person. So then you have the activity while you're there, um, the socializing, the noise, all of that. Uh, so when I come back, within an hour of coming back to the house, I feel it hitting hard. And quite often I'll have to go and have a lie down. Yeah. Um, and that's for an early morning. The early morning will always hit me like that, always. Um, but on a normal day, it does take my body a couple of hours to come around normally before I'm physically able to go, oh, do you know what, I'm going to get this done, I'm going to get that done. But also mentally, because I don't think people realise that, um, that that mental exertion has a physical effect as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, you have to mentally work up to be able to do certain things like on the, you know, working on the computer or doing the social media, whatever it happens to be. You have to mentally um, and physically have the energy to be able to do that. Um, so, yeah, mornings are not great, but I know when I'm having a bad day because there is a particular feeling that I can't describe to anybody. It's a very unsettled feeling. I don't know what to do with myself. I find it hard to, to hold myself up. I can't get comfortable. Is it like a um, restlessness? Very, very, very. That's what very I get as well. I get exactly the same yeah. thing. Yeah, it's like really, I'm, I'm agitated. I don't know why. I'm very yeah. restless. I can't get comfortable. I just don't feel right. I physically don't feel right. Um, I can't eat. Um, it's all things like that, and I, I've learned over the years to recognise that and go, yeah. oh, this is going to be a bad day, so I'm not going to fight it, I'm just going to go back to bed. And I might go back and crash, my body might crash for three or four hours, and then once I come around from that sleep, I instantly know that I'm coming out of that, that that sleep is, is, is taking that entire crash away, and I'm starting to feel, you can almost feel it lifting like a blanket. Yeah, yeah, There's you really can. Feeling, yeah. You can feel it lifting. So, yeah, yeah, you can tell, can't you? You, know, <laughs> you know your own telltale signs. Yeah, you find the patterns, don't you? You find, and also, like you said, it has an effect on your mentality as well. So, it's like, for me, I feel the restlessness. When you described that, and I thought, 
that is exactly what I get. And also sometimes if I push past that, I feel kind of, um, kind of like on the verge of feeling sad. And then I think, right, I've got to rest now or I've got, I also find if I hydrate myself a bit more, I don't get that so much which is right, good right. but yeah I found that if I push past that restlessness then I'm gonna feel sad and I'm thinking no I've got a kind of I'm like you you notice it and you're like nope stopping now resting now I can come yeah, back to I it afterwards I, I used to fake through that and I don't do that anymore because if I fake through it I'll have a big 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 crash that could last for days yeah I don't fake it through anymore I recognize it like you say, you're so unsettled, you don't know what to do with yourself anyway, so the best thing is to go back to bed. And once you're able to drop off to sleep, that's it. My body goes into, like, a coma, yeah. really. And I could be out for hours, but I can feel it lifting as I come around from that sleep, and I go, right, okay, I did the best thing, because now exactly. I know yeah. the rest of the day I'm going to start being better, and tomorrow will be okay. Yeah. Um, rather than fight through and then have a crash for three or four days, that would just be awful. So here's the last question, and that is, do you think we'll find it hard to adapt to life after lockdown, or do you think we'll take segments of what we learned and move forward with it? In general? Yeah. Or are you talking because of chronic illness? In general. In general, I'd like to think that people, it's like what we were talking about earlier on, I'd like to think that people will get the enjoyment out of the little things, appreciate uh, getting together with family and friends, appreciate getting out, appreciate doing just the little things like going and getting your shopping as normal, walking around a clothes shop, going and buying a gift for somebody, whatever it happens to be, or meeting a friend for coffee and cake. I'd like to think so. But I am a realist, so I know that there's going to be those percentage of people that will just go straight back to 100%, fast, 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 um, without a second thought back. Just almost in no way of dealing with it, going, thank God for that, that's behind us, let's move forward. You know, that's probably their way of coping with it then. Um, but I'd like to think that it will slow the percentage of people down. You know, just, yeah. just a little bit, just so that you can actually enjoy what's happening, um, as opposed to constantly wishing away time to get to the next thing, which I think we were at that point, definitely. Everybody was always looking to the next thing. Yeah. You know, the next event, the next holiday, the next week, the next weekend. Shiny object syndrome. Yeah, SOS, yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I think that was inbuilt, we, life was at such a pace that was inbuilt rather than just, you know, treat them as the lower end of the work spectrum because 
that's not right. That's definitely not right. But yeah, hopefully people will just be that little bit nicer. Wouldn't that be good? We can hope, can't we? <laughs> we can all live in hope. <laughs> so if further listeners want to find you, where can they find you and maybe stalk your social media? You can stalk me on any of the uh, social media platforms if you just look for just me being Mrs. B. I'm on across the board. That is that is what I'm going as. Just me being Mrs. B. You can't miss me. Surely you can't miss me. <laughs> we'll have a hard time because you're so amazing. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming onto the podcast. It's been an absolute ball. It really has. I know, we've got to do it more often, haven't we? We really do. Yeah, definitely. No, thank you for asking me. I'm so happy that you asked me. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you for coming. I'm hoping that after this mini-series that I'm going to be going back onto my YouTube. I'm going to be hopefully doing makeup tutorials and I've got some hair tutorials as well. I'm also oh, going to... Oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm also going to be sharing what I've got planned in the future. There's a goal I'm aiming at and I'm hoping that you guys can follow me. If you want to, you can check out my website, thecrackygem.wordpress.com. If you want to follow my YouTube, there's a page there and you can click on the link and it will take you there. I'm hoping to... I'm aiming... Uh, trying to get back into radio I'm hoping to get a bike so I'm hoping that you guys will follow me as I try and see if my body allows it but yeah so that's what's coming up for me if you do want to uh, follow me you can you can do so via following me at uh, Instagram and on Twitter it's at Gems Quirky on both of those and the website again thequirkygem.wordpress.com and that's it for this mini series I'd like to say thank you if you've listened. I hope you've enjoyed it. Thank you again to Tracy for coming on because literally I've been so looking forward to doing this episode. It's been an absolute blast. Yeah, I've enjoyed it. Really enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, yeah, so if you guys want to follow me, you can. I'm hoping to go back to YouTube videos now. So um, yeah, I hope you have a good lockdown. I hope you find this episode informative and a bit funny you know and if you want to you know we encourage you to look up Elvis Presley videos don't we I think it needs to be done (laughs) I had to go there you know me so I'll talk to you guys soon and um yeah take it easy guys as ever thanks for listening and um yeah bye